church. Happy birthday. Come on. Two years. Turn to your neighbor and say, happy birthday. You are the church. I love it so much. Wow. Can we just give it up for the worship team that led us so amazingly this morning? Thank you, guys. It was very special. And I just want to say, this is my first time to Waterview. And what a special church this is. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are blessed, man. The hand of God is on this place. How many are thankful to be a part of such a life-giving church? Come on. Amen. I love it so much. And I, before I, before I, I have a man crush on your pastor. So before, before, before I get there, um, I just want to say what God has done in two years is absolutely amazing. Um, I don't even know my brother's name, but he read the script just like I sent it to him. I'm just kidding. Um, but like it took us six years as a church to even get to where you guys are in two years. And and I'll, and I'll just say this, man. God has really blessed the church in our region, and our area. I mean, we were six years, 120 people in, and, man, we just began to pray to ask God to use us. And I, and I want to say this today, that it's great that what God has done in two years, but I pray today that we would leave and under the celebration of this anniversary and this birthday saying, God, you're, you've just, you've ju- you're just getting started. And we believe, I believe today, just sitting just in the worship atmosphere and the hospitality of what this church already is, this is, this is the most influential church in this city. And I believe it's going to be the largest church in this city. So please buy into that truth that God has so much greater, that God has so much more. And you're like, well, Pastor, you're just about the numbers. I kind of am because every number matters to God. Every number was a soul that he died for. And come on, church, I want you to lean into this attitude and posture that we are going to be the greatest tool that God can use in his kingdom. Come on, somebody. Can I get a good amen? I come all the way from Baltimore. It's all right to give me an amen or a holla at your boy, right? I got a little holy and hood in me, so it'll be all right. All right? And it's just to be, to be with Pastor Jason and his family, I love him so much. Um, he's so much of a better friend than I am. He loves me, and I just have become to love him, and, and um, I love his passion for God. I love his pa- He loves the church. In fact, it's, he's, very, he's one of very few people that I've ever been around that loves the church as much as he does, and it's evident he loves you. He, he's, he's driven me around every square inch of this city. Like, I have been all around. I've been, I've been to Lake Norman. I've walked around that, some parks. I have been through the city of Charlotte. I, I'm telling you, this man loves the dirt. And I want to tell you right now, you're blessed to have a man of God that loves it like he does. And so kudos to you, sir. God, God's hand is on your life. And Alex and Dylan and Micah, you love your pastor? Love it. Hey, are you guys ready to jump into the word today? Thank you guys for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me borrow a space of time. I, I'm, I'm a terrible preacher, but I'm going to give it my best, all right? So, so you guys ready to jump in? If you have your Bibles, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. And we do something at home. I'm going to ask you guys to do it. When you have it, say, I got it. Just say, I got it. 2 Kings chapter 4. But we do something at home just kind of honors the word. If you would, just stand with me while we read, if that's okay. Um, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. Now, I will say from the jump that this is a very unique scripture, very weird scripture. It's, it's in your Bible. I'm not making this up, but I wanna, today I want to preach around a, a miracle that happened 
that's just a little bit awkward, and I think, I think the Lord will let it speak to you as well. Are you ready? It says, when Elisha came into the house, he saw the young child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them. Everybody say, shut the door. Shut the door behind two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and he laid on the child, putting his, this is where it gets a little bit weird. He puts his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the Bible says that the child sneezed seven times. Everybody say, God bless you. And the child, I love how descriptive the Bible can be. Not, not four times, not, not eight times, but seven times. And the child opened his eyes, and then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing down to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. I, I want to preach to you guys just for a short period. In fact, just 25 minutes on this very unique miracle from your Bible. And I want to call this, Can You Stretch Again? Can you stretch again? I, I believe that there's some people here today that I feel like God is calling your heart to stretch again. Maybe God is calling your mind to stretch. God is calling you as a person to stretch again. Can you believe that with me today? So, Father, right now I pray. I pray your hand would be upon us. Lord, I pray, God, for the next few moments that you could use me. God, let me be a conduit that you could speak to this amazing church, this two-year-old miracle. God, I pray, Lord, that you would expand us, that you would expand our thinking, that you would expand our heart. And, God, if you need to do a miracle in any of our lives today, let it be so. We receive that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Turn your neighbor real quick and say, you look amazing. This new year is looking good on you. Losing a little bit of weight. You've been fasting, right? Looking good. That color is good. Awesome. Over the last few years, I would say since COVID, you know, we had BC, we have AD, now we have since COVID, right? You know what I'm saying? Because that was the dividing line, right? And it happened in our lifetime. It's pretty amazing. I, I've learned something about myself that uh, in this past season of uncertainty, this past season of pandemic that we lived in, thank God we're out of, this past season of like really uncharted territory and terrain, I have discovered that I love Amazon. Now, I get it. A lot of you, you're like, that is so old school. You know, like there's so many more cool opportunities. No, your boy loves him some Amazon. I'm like... Who knew? Like Amazon, right? How many found yourself just loving online shopping now? Like you'll never go back. You know what I'm talking about? I am an online order specialist. Order groceries and we don't even need them. Like you, you, you get on, order, order stuff from Target and you pull up with your car and you act like you've been shopping and working all day. And you haven't even lifted a finger other than like sin. You know what I'm saying? Like everything in life is so convenient. And let me, let me say this, All, my wife couldn't be here with me this weekend, but I have learned so much about my wife by just looking through the Amazon order history. My wife keeps a wish list in her shopping cart, which has been a door open for me because if I just need to know what kind of gift, she, I'm speaking, I'm saving some men's life right now. You need to learn men how to get online and go to the shopping, 
shopping cart of Amazon. Because life, life has become so convenient. I never imagined in all my life that we would live in such a convenient society. The other day I bought something from eBay and, and when it came, I was slightly surprised. Because the picture made it look so much greater. Like the shoe looks so much better online than it did in person. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Like it was okay, but it was just different than what I expected. Every now and then you order something, when it comes in, you're slightly surprised because it's just kind of different than how you ordered it. How many of you have ever just been through one of those situations before? Like maybe life gave you something that you were just slightly surprised. You maybe ordered some shoes and it just didn't quite hit like it did when you saw them on the screen. And I would say that sometimes life is that way. Sometimes in life the things that we pray for doesn't come in the way that we thought. Sometimes we receive things that we've been anticipating and expecting, and it shows up in our life a little bit differently than how we anticipated and expected it. And one of the things that I've learned about God is that God does not always live up to my expectation, but he does always live up to his word. Can I, can I say that again? That God doesn't always live up to my expectation, but he does always live up to his word. In this text from 2 Kings, this mother has received a promise from God. It was a prophetic word given to her from the prophet Elisha. And her current situation has now turned into something that she did not anticipate. It has now turned into something that she did not expect. And here's a little bit of back history. Uh, back history would inform us that Elisha would pass by this Shunammite's house on the regular. Like... Elisha would become so frequently caught in, in her neighborhood that they decided to build a room on the back of their house for the preacher. Now, how many know you got to stop by somebody's house a lot in order to build a house or a room on the back of the house for the man of God? Now, I just want to say this right now, that for whatever reason, if you open up the blinds and you see Pastor Jason just trolling through the neighborhood, that's weird. Like, don't... Don't build him a house. Don't build him a room on the back of the house. I mean, we're living in different times. Can I get a good amen? Can I get a good holler at your boy on that one? You know what I'm saying? I love him, but that's a little bit strange. You know what I'm saying? But Elisha, the pastor, he stopped by so much that they built a room on the back of their house, and he felt kind of convicted because he's like, man, I need to do more for these people. These people have opened up and rolled out the red carpet. They put a room on the back of the house, and, and finally the prophet comes to these people. He's like, what, how can I serve you? Like, what do you need? What do you want? Is there anything that I can do for you? And, they, and the answer that they always gave him was like, no, we don't need anything. And Elisha leaned over to his assistant. I guess they had a two-bedroom addition because his assistant was with him. And, and Elisha, do you see anything that they might need? And the assistant said, well, they don't have any kids. Like, I think they need a son. And Elisha tells her, he looks at this woman and says, hey, listen, by this time next year, you're going to be holding a son. Wow, what a promise. What a, what a gift. What a word from the Lord. And so for a year, she's anticipating. She's making room. She is getting a baby room prepared. She's preparing and she's excited. And sure enough, this time the, the following year, she gives birth to a son. And the Bible tells her that sometime, the Bible tells us that sometimes later that this son was out in the field with his father and he complained about his head hurting. And so the father 
carries him in the house and places him on his bed. And all of a sudden this boy dies. Which demands this question. Like what do you do when what you prayed for doesn't turn out the way that you want it? Are you with me? Are you tracking with me today? What do you do when the package that you've been anticipating and expecting comes differently than how you anticipated and expected? This woman knew exactly what to do. She searched down the prophet. She went searching for this prayer. I built him a room. I believed his word. Like, and so she found Elisha and she told him, hey, the promise that you, you gave me is now dead. And the Bible says that Elisha tried to, tried to give her an encouraging word and send her on her way. But that wasn't good enough. This desperate woman said, no, sir, I'm not taking a word from you. You're going to follow me home today, right? And how many know that you can mess with a lot of things, but you better not mess with a mother's child? Are you hollering with me? You know what I'm saying? You can do a lot to it, but don't you dare mess with a mom and dad's kids. And she's like, no, sir, a word is not good enough today. I need you to come home with me. And the prophet Elisha follows this worried mother home. And the Bible says that Elisha goes up to this room and he sees the boy lying dead on his bed. And it says that the prophet went in and Elisha, the Bible says, shut the door behind him. I am so thankful that the Bible was so descriptive to allow us to have insight into the story so much that it detailed the fact that he shut the door behind him. And I just feel led to tell someone today that I believe that in this season of your life, you're going to have to shut the door to some things that were never supposed to follow you this year. I believe that you're stepping into a new season where you're crossing over without a carryover. I believe today that some of us in this space today, we're stepping into a season where God is going to provide an opportunity for you to have a separation between some things that have been pulling you from your past. And God is wanting you to propel you to your future. So Elisha shuts the door. And the Bible says he does something absolutely extraordinary. Elisha lays on top of this boy and he puts his mouth on his mouth. You're like, some of you, this is your first time to church, your first time to Waterview, and you're like, this is weird. And I would say, it is, right? Elisha puts his eyes on his eyes. He puts his hands on his hands. And and I I just got to say that there is no way in the world that I would want to get close, that close to a dead corpse. In preparing and studying the scripture, I was reminded of a story. I mean, I could have been like two years into pastoring Freedom Church where I pastor, and I got a phone call late one night, and, um, and uh, it, was, it was some people, some, some people in our church who had lost their father, and they asked me to come to the house, and you know, I'm a young pastor. We, it's a you know, very small church, and I'm doing my best. We're working multiple jobs, and, man, I'm tired from the day. So I get in my car, and I'm telling you, it's late. And I drive. It's about a 20-minute drive. And I'm thinking, man, when I get there, all the family's going to be there. The, you know, I'm sure the funeral home's going to be there. I don't even know who's going to be there because this is not what I do, right? I'm a pastor. I, I preach on Sunday, right? That's what I do, like. Going and visiting the dead is not what your boy does. So I get to the house, and I walk in, and it's just the immediate family. And I'm like, hey. And they're like, pastor, he's upstairs. Would you go 
be with him until the, the, the funeral home gets here. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I've always said, Lord, my answer is always yes. Whatever you've called me to do. But let me tell you, there's a few things that I am not for. I'm not for spiders. I'm not for snakes. And I don't like to be around dead people. I'm just going to tell you that right here. But I, it's an old farmhouse. And, and um, I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll go. And so I, I get up there, and I'm the only person up there. I'm the only person in the room. They didn't have the courage to be up there, so they sent their pastor. So your pastor is in this room with a dead body. Nothing like that has ever happened to me before, and it's never happened to me since. But there was nothing in me that night, that in my head or in my spirit, that said, Wade, get on top of that, that dead body. Hey, Wade, put your mouth on, on his mouth. Put, hey, put your eyes on his Nothing said to me, hey, put your hands on his hand. Are you with me? Did I give you a visual? I got the hibby-jibbies just thinking about it. And the prophet Elisha is on top of this dead boy's body, and he has his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as crazy as this is, I believe that this can teach us something. I believe that this can be a word of revelation for this church this year. I believe that this can be a word over your marriages, over your relationships, and over your life. Because when what we see is supposed to be alive, but instead it looks dormant and dead, we've got to put our mouth on it and speak to those things that are dead as though they are alive. We speak life over it. Let me ask this question. What is your sound today? What is your sound? How do you sound when you speak? And when I ask that question, the first thing that most of us think about is our pitch or our cadence or our volume. You know, my mother has this tone that no one else has. You know what I'm saying? Like some of you said, well, I married someone that has that tone. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about do you sound negative or do you sound like God? Do you sound like the news or do you sound like your heavenly father? Come on, do, do, do you have the sound of heaven coming out of your mouth? How do you sound when you open up your mouth? And one of the things that I've come to learn is that if your faith is not big enough to move your mouth, it surely won't be big enough to move your mountain. And it could be that we're staring at a dead corpse with our mouth shut. When God has given us the power and the authority to open up our mouth and to call forth those things that be not as though they were. I wonder if there's anybody here today that could say, hey, I'm staring at something that does not look like what God promised me. But I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to declare the mighty works of God. Amen. Amen. Because there's power in your words. There is power in your tongue. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18 that death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. See, the enemy, he wants us to get us worried, right? He want, in this season, he wants worry and anxiety to rule our life. But I want to tell you that God never gave you worry and anxiety. Some of us say, well, it's my fear. It's my... No, 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 no. You don't own those things. And you cannot, you cannot own what God has not given and the enemy wants to come and get us to worry because he, understand, he understands that worry is worshiping the plan of the enemy. And if he can get us to worry more than we worship, 
Then he begins to work through you to determine your destiny. And the enemy wants to convince us that and, and wants us to speak opposite of what God says. So let, let, me under, let me help you understand this. The enemy cannot determine your future, but if he can cause you to speak contrary to what God says, he can derail your destiny. And here's what I know, that when a breakthrough is pending, the background noise of my life is loud. When I am on the verge of a miracle, the background noise, the chaos, the naysayers, the enemy, their voices get really loud. And one of the things that I'm learning, and I pray that we learn as a church, that when the back, background noise gets loud, I've got to let my voice be louder than that. Yeah. Come on, is there anybody here today that would say that I don't mind opening up my mouth to give God what he deserves? And as weird as this might sound, these negative things in my life, the things that look dead, that is supposed to be alive, I am going to put my mouth on it. I am going to open up and I am going to declare the mighty works of God. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Elisha understands that there is power in his words. And we have to be very careful how we speak. I know what you see. But there is something that we release when we speak it. I say it like this, that we have dominion over what can come out of our mouth. We have power over what can come out of our mouth. The prophet Elisha understands that this boy is going to have to, he, he's going to have life back in his body. And so he began to speak those things. He has received the power that rests in the words of Elisha. But he does something more. The Bible says that he put, that Elisha put his, is this okay everybody so far? The Bible says that Elisha put his eyes on his eyes. And Elisha begins to see this dead boy alive again. Now, if you're going to live by faith, you have to see things before you see it in order to see it. Can you see what God is doing when no one else can see what God is doing? Can you envision what God is up to when everyone else is talking and, and speaking their reality? Can you see what God is doing when it seems like the opposite is actually happening in what God promised you? Can you do it? The prophet Elisha understands that this boy is a promise from God. And he's laying under me presently dead. And so I have to call those things that be not as though they are. I've got to see this boy breathing. I've got to see this boy walking. I've got to see this boy moving. This boy is a miracle in the making. Here's what I know. Every successful person that I've ever talked to, every entrepreneur, every business leader, every person that steps into any type of success, they will tell you that they saw success twice. They saw it before anyone else saw it, and they saw it when everyone else saw it. In order for you to step out of the season that we're in presently into the season that God is calling us to, you got to see it first. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. You see, sight is the ability to see things as it is, but vision is the capacity to see things as it can be. That's why it's easy for me to get up here and say, wow, this is going to be the most influential church in this city because I can see it before you can see it. Can I get a good amen? 
It's not enough for us to see what's in front of us and be comfortable where we are. We have to have a vision for where God is taking us so that God can move us beyond where we are to where he's calling us to be. I believe with all of my heart that if Elisha would have stopped with just his speaking, that this boy would have remained dead. And the problem is, if we're not careful, if we just stop with our speaking, God's not going to open up or move a mountain as, as he wants to. The prophet Elisha says, not only will I speak it, but I'm going to put my eyes on it. Can I see what God is doing when I can't see what God is doing? Can you envision what God is up to when you can't see what he's up to? And here's the truth that I know, that even when it seems that God is doing nothing, God is always up to something. And even when it feels like that God is not moving, in fact, God is moving. And when it seems like that God is doing absolute zero on your behalf, the reality is he's already done it. He's already done it. God is waiting for us. He's waiting for me. To grow up in my faith to catch up to what he's already done. Because you have to see it before you see it in order to see it. The next thing that Elisha does is that he puts his hands on this dead boy's hands. And hands throughout the scripture is, it's the, it represents, it's the, through the word of God it represents work. It, re, it represents what we do. And so oftentimes it represents our identity. In Psalms 90 verse 17 it says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of thy hands. Yes, the work of thy hands he shall establish. My, my takeaway is this, that what you have your hands on is going to work this time. The Bible is so detailed in this story, and I believe there is no detail that should go unnoticed. And one of the things we see, it says that as he did this, as he put his hands on this boy's hands, that his body began to get warm. Elisha then gets up, and he walks across the room, and Elisha turns around and says, hey, this is not good enough. And he, he walks back and he lays down on this boy. He stretches out again across this boy. And he does the same thing over again. And all of a sudden, this boy began to get into a sneezing frenzy. How many have ever been into a sneezing frenzy? Like you cannot stop. The other day, I just began to let him out. And my wife looked at me. She said, do we need to go to the doctor? Like... What is going on? Like, I couldn't stop sneezing. But I don't know where I'm from. I'm originally from Texas. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Hook them horn. Here's the thing about Texas. You don't have to tell anybody they're from Texas. They're going to tell you. And then they're going to agree with you. Just like that. But where, we're, where I'm from, when someone sneezes, what do we say? God bless you. Like, bless you. A sneezing season. I wonder as a church water view that what if God is taking us into a sneezing season? Where we're about to step into a season where God is about to bless this church in an unconventional way. A blessing where it just doesn't make sense. God is saying, hey, I need you to close the door behind you, Elisha. Because what I'm calling you to is going to look a little bit crazy. 
This story, no one's going to understand it. To the, these people won't understand it. It's not going to make sense. But only God can do what is about to happen. Is there anybody grateful that it's possible that we're stepping into a season where God and only God is about to bless you, about to bless your marriage, about to bless your business, about to bless your, your children? Come on. Is there anybody want to step into a blessing season? I believe that God is shutting the door on some things in your life so that he can reveal to you who he's making you to be. So Elisha, he lay, he's laying on this boy again. And the Bible says that he began to get warm. I remember as a kid, we used to play this, this game called hot or cold, right? And the closer that you would get to the secret place or the, or the hidden thing, they would say, hey, you're getting hot. You're, you're getting hotter. You're like, you're on fire right now. You know, I'm like, where is it? Right? This would indicate that I'm in proximity to the answer. And I just, I feel so led to tell Waterview that, hey, you're getting warm. You're getting warmer. You're getting hot, man. You're on fire. You are in proximity to a blessing. If you can shut the door on some things and you can step into what God is calling you to this year, God is wanting to do some things that are so unconventional, so amazing that your world, your people will not understand. God is saying, you're getting warm. You're in proximity of a miracle. And I've come to learn, Pastor Jason, that oftentimes God won't put it in my hand, but he will put it in my reach. And he does this because he wants me in partnership with him. And a lot of times we're waiting on God to drop it into our hands. God, I need you to drop this financial blessing. I need you to drop this miracle. I need you to drop this marriage issue. I need, to, I need you to drop these things in my hands. And God is saying, no, what I need you to do is I need you to stretch for what I have for you. Somebody say stretch. So the Bible says that Elisha stretched again. So the first stretch didn't yield the results that he, he desired. So the Bible says that he stretched again. I wonder if there's anyone here today in this new year that's willing to stretch again. That maybe it didn't work the first time. But you've got to stretch again. I know it seems that things are still dead and dormant in your life. But God is saying, hey, can you stretch again? That you've been trying and trying and trying in your own will. But I need you to stretch again. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write a few things down in closing. Number one is this. That your fruitfulness will always be tied to your discomfort. Your fruitfulness. The fruit of your life will... Always be tied to your discomfort. The seed for your miracle is often planted in the soil of adversity. Can I get a good amen on that? How many of you would agree that life can be uncomfortable at times? But it's building something in you. It's building anticipation in you. It's producing a hunger, a desire, a knowing that there's something that God is up to. And I want to be a part of it. There's something that God is doing that I don't want to miss. There's something that God is up to that I want to be a part of. And I know and understand that my fruitfulness is tied to my discomfort. Oftentimes we, we run away from pain, don't we? Like 
It's like shoe soles and elbows when there's pain involved. Do you know what I mean? But it's in the pain that we're stretched into what God wants us to be. Because our fruitfulness is directly tethered and connected to our discomfort. And in order for a seed to produce a harvest, the seed has to be disrupted in the soil. The seed for our miracle today, the seed for our breakthrough is often sowed in the soil of adversity. Here's my second point, and the band can come. Your most difficult moment will lead you to your most defining moment. The most difficult moments we've seen in the last two years as a church has led us to our most defining moments as a church. This is Elisha, his most trying time. He's given a word. He's given a promise. He's given a a prophetic word from God. And now this promise, this word, is now dead on this bed. And he's got to figure out, with the help of God, how can I make good on the promise of God? And this is by far the most trying moment that he's ever encountered. So he's desperate. He's so desperate that he's got his eyes on this boy's eyes. He's so desperate that he's got his mouth on his mouth, his hands on his hands. And he's declaring that this boy shall live and not die. And this is crazy. But church, hear me. Sometimes in order for you to receive a crazy breakthrough, you've got to implement crazy faith. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what people think about you. Because we don't live for the approval of many. We live for the approval of one. You've got to remember that your most trying times are going to be your most defining moments. And if it didn't work the first time. And you feel like giving up today. God is asking, hey, can you stretch again? Can you stretch over that marriage again? Can you stretch over that teenager again? Can you stretch over that business idea again? Can you stretch over that dream, that vision, over that? Can you stretch again? And I just believe today that if we have the ability to stretch again, that God is going to meet us at the moment of our stretch. My final point is this, that God always produces good things from bad situations. And some of us today, we, some of us, we, we, we bounce to the church like Tigger. Because this is what Tiggers do best. And some of us, maybe we crawled in our spirit to be here. And you might feel right now that your life is absolutely upside down. You haven't even had the courage to talk to anyone about it. And you've got this weird dude from, from Maryland And he's telling you to stretch over some things. And you need to know that God always and can produce good things out of bad things. And some of us, we're staring in the face of something that feels like it's dead. It's a dead situation. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis. Maybe you've you've been told that you've got to live with something. And and you're you're not not sure about it. Maybe it's... It's something in your relationships that are falling apart. Maybe your kids are going out of their mind right now. 
You're staring in the face of something that feels like it's just dying right in front of you. And if that's you today, I just want you to know that it's not over yet. Because if it's not good, God's not done. The best way that I can describe it, describe it is this. And this is kind of what I've been kind of just thinking about this morning. That I like Marvel movies. How many like Marvel movies? Is there anybody like Marvel movies? Now, when we go and watch a Marvel movie, I can always tell those who have never seen a Marvel movie before. You know what I'm talking about? Because when the movie comes to an end, people just get up out of their seat and they're rolling out of the theater. And I'll never forget, I was such one of those people. I'll never My first Marvel movie, I went to see it with my brother-in-law, Eric Diaz, and I'm sitting there with him. The movie comes to an end, I'm like, hey, bro, that's a good movie. And I stand up, and I'm rolling out, and he's like, sit down. I'm like, bro, you better sit down. You know what I mean? Like, I gave you some grace when you married my sister, but right now, that grace period is over. You talk to me like that again, and they're going to be knuckles. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, take your seat. The movie's not done. I'm like, yes, it's done. I'm, I'm like, the credits are rolling. He said, I know it looks like it's over, but it's not over. I know it, the credits are rolling, but it's not over. I'm like, people are leaving. He's like, I know, but trust me, it's not over. Come on. I need you to hear me, church. It may feel like the credits of your life are rolling. It may feel like people are walking out of your life. It may seem like the music is playing and the credits are coming to an end. But it's not over. Can you stretch again? Come on, can you stretch again? Come on, let's all stand, everybody. And after the credits end and the thank yous are, are shown, after the final remarks are on the screen, there's an introduction for what's next. And now when I go to a Marvel movie, I live for the introduction for the next thing and I never understand it and I've got to ask all my friends what it meant how many are with me come on listen to me Waterview in closing I just believe today that God is about to give you a sneak peek of what's coming next and you need to know if you hear anything I've said today you need to know come on as the band and singers come you need to know that it's not over God is saying it's just beginning and I just wonder today if you have the audacity, do you have the ability, do you have the faith to stretch one more time and say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my mind. I trust you with my heart. I trust you with my life. I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of God in the, in the days of the living. Come on, can we stretch toward heaven? Can we just lift our hands? I know this may be new to some of us, but this is just a sign of surrender. And what we're saying today is, God, I'm stretching again. Come on, the power of the Holy Spirit is in this moment today. Come on, some of us, we thought it was the end. We thought we, we weren't going to be able to make it. And God's saying, oh, it's just the beginning. Come on, stretch again. Have the faith to believe me again. Have the faith to put your trust in me one more time. And I just believe today that by the time you get home, there's going to be an answer. I just believe before you wake up in the morning, there's going to be an answer. God's going to give you the confidence to have joy again, to have peace again. You're going to get the best sleep that you've ever had in your life. Come on, I just believe. Can we stretch again? He's breathing. He's restoring. 
He's redeeming. He's renewing. So, Father, right now I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. God, it's such an honor to be a part of this church. God, it's an honor to be a part of your miracle. It's an honor to be able to have a yes in my spirit, an amen in my spirit. God, it's an honor to have, to be able to put our faith in you today. God, I pray that this would just build some faith today to believe that we still serve a miracle-working God. God, you still save us, but God, you care enough about us that you take care of our future. And we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor. Come on, church. Are you happy about this? Can we put our hands together and give God some great praise? Come on, let's give our best praise. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor. And as we close out this gathering today, I just wanted to personally take the time on behalf of me and my family to thank you for being with us for our two-year anniversary. And I pray today that this word, that this message will sink down deep into your hearts. And I pray that if you don't already go out of here fired up, ready to do whatever it is that God has called you to do, that it would just kind of explode into your heart and mind over these next couple of days because we serve such a great, mighty, awesome God. And He is just getting started with you. He's just getting started with us. And so I just wanted to thank you for being with us today. What an awesome day. What a fantastic word. Didn't Pastor Wade kill it today? Come on, let's give it up for that word. Thank you. Amazing word. Hey, we're getting ready right now for our final act of worship. We have been worshiping this entire time together, but our final act of worship is when we worship the Lord through our giving, through our tithes and through our offerings. We give our money and financial resources towards moving God's church forward to continue to make sure that we can impact Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte, Iredale County. Ways that we can do that are coming up onto the screen. And I wanted to point out just a couple of things that on your seat is a sweet treat to help you remember this day. Make sure you take this iced cookie with you. We want you to enjoy it with every bite. Just think about how good God is. And if you're new here today, if you happen to be visiting for the first, second, or third time, we consider you to be a VIP. You're very important. There's a card on your seat. Be sure to fill that out. Drop it off in the box as you leave or take it to the tent in the lobby. If you do that, we will give you a gift. And we just want you to know how thankful we are that you're here. Two years ago, it is true that we started a church, but we did more than just start a church. We actually started a movement. We started a movement to introduce people to this amazing God that we experienced here today, a movement to help people awaken to the plan and the purpose that God has for their life, a movement for people to understand that God loves them and he's got something great in mind for their life. And so we want to ask you today, those of you that are joining us for our two-year anniversary, we're asking you to help us spread the word about the movement. And at our Connect Tent in the lobby, we've got some yard signs that say, For God So Love Lake Norman and then our name on it. Would you take one of these as you leave today? Just go out at the Connect Tent, grab one. They're for free. Take one of these, put them in your yard, put them up somewhere where you have permission, maybe even if you don't have permission. But let the area know that God loves Lake Norman, and we're just getting started. Here's to two years 
and here's to 102 more years. We love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Go make your life matter. We'll see you next Sunday. Same time, same place. We serve a mighty God.